Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. How many of you know that the journey that you're on right now, all of you are on a journey, and the journey that you're on right now is just, the journey is just as important as the destination that you're going to. It's just as important because in the journey, it's, it's, it's you becoming. It's you becoming prepared for that destination. There's a process in that journey. There's, there's some growing that is taking place. There's some pruning that is taking place. There's some learning that is taking place. There's some getting rid of old baggage that is taking place and equipping of new things into your life that is taking place. We're all on a journey. And that journey is just as important as the destination. Our journey at CWC began 18 years ago. And it began with a question. And that question was asked by Pastor Dan. We were at a family function. And Pastor Dan asked me, if you could do anything with your life, if you you could do something that made you feel like a little kid in a candy store, If you could do something that made you feel like it was Christmas every single day, what would that be? Little did he know when he asked that question that it began to ignite just like a dynamite in my heart. Began to trigger something. Because, you know, Pastor Dan has a way of asking questions. He's got this thing with his eyes. I don't know if you've ever gotten the eyes, but he's got this thing with his eyes. I thought Mike Singletary of the... The, the Chicago Bears used to have these eyes, but Pastor Dan, you have these eyes. And these eyes can, like, they see through you. It's like, it's, it's crazy. It's like, sometimes I expect them to turn red, and I'm glad they don't because I would run. But <laughs> he, has, he asked this question, and it ignited something inside my spirit. It was the right question at the right time. And, and really, that was the beginning of 18 years being here at CWC. A few months later, we ended up walking into our first service at Overfelt High School and saying to ourselves, it's good to be home. Three months after being there, we had our first child, Isaiah, a joyous time. And that time is what I would indicate or or, or I would identify as the trust and believe season of our lives. Because we're all on a journey. And we're on a journey with Jesus. And Jesus holds out his hand and he says, follow me. And you can only answer that with conviction in your heart. And you can only take action if you trust and you believe. So we entered into this season. Isaiah was born and he had a tough time with delivery. I'll be honest, we almost lost my wife. He had a, had a collapsed lung and had a hard time breathing. He would grunt when he was trying to cry and, and he would do this thing with his, his chest where he was just trying very, very hard to breathe. 
They immediately told us that they were going to have to transport them, transport him to um, a different hospital because they didn't have the capability to take care of him where they were at. And I prayed while I was in the intensive care unit with Isaiah, and I, I held his hand, and he grabbed my finger, and instantly I fell in love, and I was just like, man, this, this kid, I just love him so much. How many fathers, you, you, when you have your firstborn child, it, it, and he grabs your finger, it's just like, man, it's, it's, it's powerful. And we had to transport him to a different hospital. Collapsed lung. He's on 100% oxygen there. And the, the doctors, they automatically tell you the worst, right? They started out saying, he's not out of the woods. Even though he's, his blood pressure is fine now, he's not out of the woods. And that's like Jesus at the same time saying, are you ready? Are you ready to take this journey? Do you trust and do you believe me? I thank God because Pastor Dan came down and showed support and the church and um, was praying for us. And, you know, I was just thinking about this the other day. You guys, Dan and Maria, you guys got us a place to stay in, in El Camino somewhere, some, off of El Camino somewhere, near the hospital so that we can be with our child and and you guys were part of that journey. You know, you guys had the hookup. Thank you very much. It's the trust and believe stage. It's God saying, do you trust me? Do you believe me? Because, see, if you can trust him, then you can walk with him. And if you trust and you can walk with him, then you can trust what's in your way. You can trust what storm is against you. You can trust Jesus in the middle of the storm. You can trust him and you can believe no matter what you see. And so when we first entered into this particular stage of our lives, it was, it was when we first entered into this church. And how many of you know that you can't go through things alone? Like, can, I, can, I, can I be real with you? Quit going through things on your own. You can't handle it. You can't handle it. Don't, don't, no, don't even try. Don't even, don't, don't, you think that you're tougher for trying to make things on your own? You think that you're soft because you, 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 you open up your heart? No, no, no. Trust me. You've got to make sure that you know that you have a strong church, a strong family, strong people in your lives that are able to speak life into you. You need it. And so this is what God was doing in our lives, this first season of our lives, the trust and believe stage. Jesus was, was asking us, come on, do you, do you, do you, will you follow me deeper? Will you follow me more? Will you follow me when you can't even believe what's happening in your life? Will you trust and will you believe me? That led us into the next stage of our lives where we began to uh, open up our homes. Our home, and, and, and we opened up our home to a master's student. How many master's commission stu- students do we have that have gone through our system? Master's commission students, come on. You're a master's commission student, right? Come on, Paul. Yeah, raise up your hand, dude. <laughs> master's commission graduate, there's one of our boys is right back there. His name's Sam. Our first young man was uh, named Santos, and Santos, we call him Sants. 
Isaiah named him that. Sans, uh, Santos was our, our first young man coming in. And there was something about when he came into our lives. Tara was like, what is stopping us from opening up our home? And I'm like, I'm like everything. I don't want to, I, I like to walk around in my underwear. You know, no, I'm just playing. I like to be able to be free. You know, I just didn't want to open up my life. I didn't want to, I didn't want to share my heart. I didn't want them to see my failures. I didn't want them to see, I didn't want to be real. I didn't, I, I wanted to be protected. I didn't want to be able to, I'm just going to fail him. I'm just, he's not going to learn anything here. He's going to pick up the wrong habits. He's going to, he's going to end up being all messed up. I don't want to, I don't want to bring anybody here. And Tara just urged me again, what is stopping us from being homeowners? So we open up our home. And not only do we open up our home, but we open up our heart. And when you open up your heart, you begin to give your heart away. There's something remarkable that happens. You see, you need two people in your life. You need one person speaking life into you that's not afraid to check you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Pastor Dan used to check me all the time. He used to say, man, you staying home again from church again today? We got another hangnail, aunt. That's, those are his words, right? Pastor Dan, those are your words, right? Got another hangnail. Sometimes I would just look at him when I walked in late, and I'm like. You need somebody to speak life into you. But not only that, but you need to be able to have somebody you're speaking life into. Because if you don't have that taking place in your life, then your heart is only half full. And you're designed to live with a full heart, a full heart of love. Why? Because love conquers fear. And so I become unstoppable when I have both somebody speaking life into me and me being able to speak life into them or somebody else. And so there is this cycle that begins to take place, and God activates that cycle. God, God does something unique with that. When you have that in your life, that's what church is really all about. It's about a group of people coming together, people who have people speaking life into them, and that at the same time, they have the ability to speak life into others. And there is something, there's something so powerful that takes place. You have people with not broken hearts anymore. You have people with hearts that become full. And you begin to live life at a different place. The heart stage, when we brought in our master's boys and Here's all five of our boys here. John and Sam. And John, Sam used to be called Squeaks. He hasn't been called that in a long, long time. He's Samson. And he is powerful. <laughs> and there's uh, Ula. And, and now, this, wait, you can go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's photo show time. This is, this is our families together except for, for, for John and Sam in there, but we still do life with them. See how the family's grown? That's what church is all about. It's about family. This is what happens when you open up your heart and you begin to share your heart and your vulnerabilities and where you failed and your encouragement and your spirit with somebody else. This is what happens. It's beautiful. They still come over. You should see when we have 17 people laying around in the house It's crazy. It's amazing. 
It's beautiful. The heart stage, the, the, the last stage, is what I want to call the faith fall faith stage. This is a picture of Christian Worship Center, Milpitas. I got a call one day on a Tuesday afternoon. A call came in from Pastor Dan. And Pastor Dan said, hey, this is the coach. I should have called him Coach Dan at that time. Coach Coach PD said this. I want you to get ready to have a message every Sunday from now on moving forward. I wasn't preaching every week. I preach every once in a while. And he says, I want you to be prepared. You're going to Milpitas. And you preach this Sunday. I found that out on a Tuesday. Sink or swim. I thank God because Pastor Dan knew that we could do it. And we stepped into Christian Worship Center, Milpitas. It didn't feel very comfortable because they were about 40 years older than me, the people that were there. I'll just be honest. And um, I can't really talk Marvel and, and, and um, you know, movies that, that we probably watch different movies, right? And, and if, if I'm talking about, like, Tupac or something like that, they're like, guess Tupac. No, just play. <laughs> they were Spanish ministries too. They were just they were, and it's like you know, I'm not, I'm not. I only know Spanish words that are food related. And so we went in there, and and we had the greatest time. We we met individuals that that were just um, just so great. We we had the opportunity to connect with with people um, from India. Did you know that India? Um, they 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 attribute the gospel coming to India um, through Thomas, Thomas in the Bible, doubting Thomas. They attribute Thomas uh, coming to to evangelize their country, and so we had the opportunity to meet and eat. We had Indians in our church. It was great. It was fantastic. It was like we were. Yeah, this this is what heaven looked like. You know, we had we had Latinos, we had white people, we had black people. We got. It was great. I loved it. I loved it. It's, it was the perfect picture of heaven. And we had our Filipino people. Come on in. Next. And you know, Filipino people, they could cook, man. I'm down with those lumpias. Anybody down with lumpias? Give me about 50 to 75 lumpias just for me. Okay? And, and we had the greatest time, and we would cook together, and we would, we would connect with one another. And, and, and man, we'd like to eat. They would always bless me. They would, they would come with, like, Anybody Filipino here? Anybody Filipinos? They would bring me tocino and eggs right before I preached and rice. I'm like, man, I'm burping up there when I'm preaching and stuff. I'm like, excuse me, Filipino food. Man, that was good. We had just the greatest time. We were, we were sharing. It, 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 was, it was so powerful. It started with a question. Do you trust and you, you, do you believe? So we stepped into that stage. And we began to develop our faith. And then that faith led us to quitting our jobs, leaving our home, going to Hawaii. And you guys are thinking, oh, man, you got to go to Hawaii. That's awesome. I love the people of, the, of Hawaii. I love Polynesians. I love them. 
I got to connect with the most incredible individuals in the islands. I told the first service that I met a young man by the name of Keke. Keke was hooked to methamphetamines at a very young age. His dad taught him how to sell drugs, and he became addicted to meth himself. We led him to the Lord in our living room. That would have never happened if we never took a step of faith. I have a friend by the name of Jen, and Jen was going through so many different things, and we were there at the perfect time in her life, and today, Jen reaches out to me, and she lets me know, hey, P, I'm still going to church. That would have never happened had we never taken the step. Pastor Dan, from the very beginning, told me if If only one person gets saved, then it's all worth it. And I'm thankful that we had the opportunity to invest in lives when we were there. I've never had anybody ask me what happened. Why did it not work? Why are you not there still? I've never had anybody ask me, you know, what are you doing here? How come you're not in Hawaii? I have no problem explaining now, but probably about a few years ago, I would have. Because I looked at that point in my life, and I saw nothing but failure. I saw a phony. I saw a fraud. I felt like I had failed people. I felt like I had taken people's money. I felt like I had failed my spiritual parents. I felt like I had failed my family. I felt to feel like a failure for a man is a bad thing. Because a man goes deep. You don't realize, ladies, men are deep. And when they get discouraged and when they get down to a place where there's darkness, the enemy starts to lie at them. The enemy wants to kill your hope, women, but the enemy wants to destroy a man. He wants to kill him specifically. And I got to a place where it was very dark. I would be lying to you if suicide did not run through my mind. If I told you it never ran through my mind because it did. I was at a place where it was like, man, I was so, I was so hurting. We had the opportunity to minister to individuals. This is taking place on a Friday night, working with young people out at a place called the Kapolei Rec Center. The next slide shows us ministering in a park. This was Easter Sunday in 2011. I thank God that this church and my pastor believed in me. But there came a point in my life where I stopped believing what I once believed. I didn't give up on God. I didn't give up on the Bible. I just stopped believing that it could happen for me. Let me tell you something. Don't try to fit into God's dream. God's dream for your life is always 10 times too big for you. And so if you try to fit into a dream that's 10 sizes too big for you, you will make it about yourself more than you make it about you trusting in God. Remember, trust and belief. 
And so what happens is you begin to try to orchestrate things. You try to figure out things. You put it all in yourself. You eliminate people. You, talk, you don't build up leaders. You destroy leaders. You push away people. You, you try to navigate and figure it out and make money where, where you try to do everything. And it's like God is saying, no, I don't want you to try and fit and replace me. You need me. I need you just to believe and to belong. You see, when you belong somewhere, when you know I belong here, you'll be able to bloom where you're planted, even though there is complete chaos around you. You'll be able to believe God at his word, and his word will become real in your life. And you will know, you know what, I belong here. There was once, there was a saying when the University of Hawaii went to um, this this game. They were playing one of the major bowl games, and I forgot which one it was. But they, they, they basically were saying, act like you belong here. Because when you belong, you're not trying to fit in. If I have to try and fit in, then you know what? I'm getting God out. There, this is a world right now that we live in that everybody's trying to fit into something. They're trying to fit in and match what somebody else is driving, match what somebody else is, 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 is where they're living. They're trying to match what somebody, how somebody else looks. They're trying to compare themselves on Instagram. I got this and I got that and look at here and look at this and look at that. And we're all trying to fit in. How about we just stop trying to fit in and how about you just take the time to discover where you belong? Because when you belong, When you belong somewhere, when you know that you belong where you're at, there ain't nothing that can stop you. And you begin to, that that space where you could not feel, that space that you could not figure out, God begins to get in. And God begins to do the most amazing things. It got dark for me. Because life is a fight for territory. And once you stop fighting, what you don't want will automatically take over. I never used to be a person that was depressed. I never used to be somebody that would stay discouraged for long. I never used to be somebody that felt hopeless or worthless or like I didn't matter or that God couldn't use me. Or that God couldn't pick me up. I never, I used to always believe that. Why? Because mom taught me that. I never used to be that person. But that place automatically took over when I stopped fighting for territory. You can't stop fighting. And if you can't fight today, just stand where you're at. Because after you have done all that you can do to stand, the Bible says this, stand therefore. Just keep standing. Scripture in the Bible of Acts chapter 20, verse 24 says this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task testifying the good news of God's grace. Before we left to Hawaii, we preached a Sunday before we left about eight years ago. And in that message, I shared a story 
And as we're about to leave, as this is our last Sunday here, I'm going to share that story with you again. Because I feel like we're in the same place. And we're doing things all over again. You, you always come full circle. Sorry, did I drop some? Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry. I'll pay for that. When, it, when Isaiah was eight years old, he's getting embarrassed. He's going to get on me for this. When he was eight years old, this is part of our journey. This is part of our journey. It's, when he was eight years old, I had the weirdest feeling. And, and you, you got to understand, for somebody that's overweight, I was like about 230 maybe. I didn't work out. Um, I just loved Ho-Ho's and Twinkies and Anybody, Twinkies, Ho-Ho's, and I mean, I mean, geez, ribs, barbecue, I, I love it, right? It's just, I'm a foodie. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll figure it out real quick. This guy likes food. I still to this day. And so I, I, I had this weirdest feeling, right? For somebody that doesn't work out and all of a sudden feels, you need to climb that mountain. That's, that has to be God, right? Because that's not me. I don't go and climb anything, okay? I don't even climb on the treadmill, okay? The only workout I had at the time was... And so I get this weird feeling, go and climb Mission Peak. This is before everybody was Instagramming themselves on Mission Peak, okay? And I started doing the research, and I found out that there were three different trails. And now that I realize how hard it was, I know we went on the extreme one. Sorry, son. That was an accident. I went and bought some poles and little walking poles that Isaiah could have. He's eight years old. He has these little walking poles that are almost taller than he is. And we began to make our way to Mission Peak, and we get out of the car, and we start our hike, and we're going through these areas that are, you know, they're pretty, it's pretty calm. The, the, the sun is out. It's, it's, it's beautiful out. There's, there's trees, and there's birds, and there's all kinds of wildlife, and we're just having a good time. And, and I don't know what it is about little boys, but little boys love to go use the restroom in the bushes. And so I, he must have did that like 10 times, you know. He just, he just loved it, you know. I don't know what it is. Little boys, they just love it. Dad, can I go again? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> We're walking through this place, and it's nice, and it's beautiful, and, and it's, 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 it's not much of a stretch, right? It's, it's, it's easy, even for somebody that wasn't working out like me. We finally, we get to the place where the terrain starts to change, and it starts to feel a little bit different. The wind picked up. Clouds started coming in, kind of like how you see out here today got really, really cold. The wind is blowing my son's little body. And we're walking, and I'm just watching him. And I'm like, hey, Isaiah, are you, you sure you want to do this? He's like, yeah. Let's do it, Dad. I'm like, okay. Let's go for it. So we're, we're walking, and we're... we're Starting to begin our 
um, climb. Because now it's not just like we're walking normal. Now we have to watch our step and we have to put a little bit more force into holding ourselves on that mountain. And, and there's this place where there's about a 300-foot drop and Isaiah stops and he looks at the drop and he looks back at me and as if to say, Dad, what do I do now? Like, do, do I go? Is it okay if I go right now? And I'm like, Zay, just go, Zay. Just go. Just, just don't look down and just go. And I'm, and I'm looking down, and I'm like, I'm scared of heights, right? And I'm like, oh, God, if Tara saw what this kid just did, this is crazy. And, and he continues to walk, and he continues to climb, and, and he's going for it, right? And I'm watching him, and, and the, the ground is loose, and he's, he's slipping on rocks, and, and, and I'm just watching him like, go ahead, Zay. Come on, Zay. Keep going, Zay. Keep going, Zay. And I'm encouraging him off the way. You know, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like Rocky's trainer to, Ro- to, to Rocky. I'm like, come on. You're going to crap thunder, son. Come on. Let's go. Keep climbing, son. And he finally, he, he gets to this place where the ground is really, really shaky and really unstable. And he ends up falling, and, and he, he kind of hurts himself. And, and he gets up a little bit. He gets up, but he gets up slow. And, and, and I and just felt myself needing to encourage him. I said, that's okay, son. That's okay, because sometimes in life, you're going to fall. Sometimes it's going to become unstable. Sometimes you're not going to see the punch coming. Sometimes you're just you're gonna fall some, but you gotta get up. You gotta pick yourself up. You gotta find the determination to pick yourself up. I said, Zaya, keep going, son. Just just keep going. And he gets up and he gets going again and he's climbing and he's climbing and he's climbing the little beast man and the little animal and he's just keeping going and, and he gets to this place where he no longer has a path. All he has is this big huge rocks all around him and he has no path anymore. You know that faith doesn't always have a path. Matter of fact, 99.9% it never has a path. But you have to use faith anyway. And so he gets to the place where there is no path and I tell him, I said, Isaiah, I know you don't have a path, but you're just going to have to get through those rocks. You're just going to have to wiggle your way through it. You're just going to have to find a way when you don't see a way because that's what faith does, son. Just keep going, Isaiah. Keep going, Isaiah. And he gets up and he gets over these rocks and he finds a way. And I end up trying to find my way and I find a way finally. I'm tired. And I'm fatigued. And I look at him and I know he's tired. And I know he's fatigued. And I know that he, he, his, 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 his face literally starts to look like he's about to get sick. And he did get sick later on. We pushed him. I pushed him. God, you pushed him. The wind is still blowing. He's tired. He fell already one time. But in the distance there, you could see, like about from where I'm at to the back, but higher. He sees the top. He's at that last 50 yards. And I'm like, this little eight-year-old guy, where the wind is blowing, I'm telling him, go. Just keep going. And he starts to make his way to the top, and Daddy's fading. I'm getting further and further away, and he's looking back at me. And I'm like, I'm here with you, son. 
I'm here with you, son. Keep going, son. I'm here with you, son. I'm here with you, son. Keep going, Isaiah. Get to the top. Get to the top. And he's, at this point, he's, he's like almost on his hands. And he's trying to get to the top. And he's slipping. And, and then finally, he gets to the place where he can just kind of get to the top. And I said, now go. And I want you to grab that pole. And I want you to look at the pole. And I want you to grab that pole. And I want you to taste what it feels like to have your victory. And I want you to look out. And I want you to see what you have done. And you can look over the whole horizon. And you can see the entire bay. And he got up to the top because he didn't stop. Because he didn't quit. Because fear didn't stop him. Because he trusted his dad. Because he believed with all his heart. And he finally got to the top. And I asked him, I said, Isaiah, now what have you learned today? What is it that God has deposited into your heart? What is it that God has shown you in your heart? And he looked back at me and he said, Dad, I st- God has shown me that, that if with God, anything is possible. That anything is possible. And, and you know what? And today, my final message and my final charge to you, my final words to you, if you didn't remember anything else, remember this for your family. Remember this for your home. Remember this for your ministry. Remember this for your dream, for your business, for your children, for anything that you're at, wherever, anywhere where you're at right now in the journey that you're on. Anything is possible with God. Anything. Don't quit. Don't quit. Trust God through the process. Even if I have to give up everything, even if you have to give up everything, he'll make a way. I've been to that place where ramen looks expensive. And that's at grocery outlet where it's 12 cents. I w- guys, I-, I was just there six, maybe seven years ago. Never thought we would have to go on food stamps again. I never wanted to take my family to that. I grew up on that. Not the whole time. My mom was a fighter. We got off pretty quick. We w- my brother and I would load up the cart and then we would leave. <laughs> Because we didn't want Anyway. God has been faithful to my family. And I say this to my kids. Anything is possible. I say it to my wife. Anything is possible. I'm going to ask my wife to come up and just uh, help me out with something here. You want to say anything? Um, I just want to thank everyone for um, just for being so gracious with us um, for the last 18 years. Um, As you can see, our journey has gone down many roads, and it's been uh, a wonderful and, as Anthony says, beautiful. If I said that right, yeah, yeah, it's been a struggle, (laughs) but it's been awesome. Um, thank you, Pastor Dan and Sister Ange, um, just for your love, for your encouragement, for pulling stuff out of us that we never would have wanted um, to be pulled out. Um, this is um, our last Relentless shirt. Um, Relentless wasn't a failure. 
Relentless wasn't a failure yet. Certainly wasn't. It, it made us better in the long run. And it lets us know what, uh, just a taste of what's on the other side. And so um, I hope that you all look at difficulties the same way. God brings glory out of everything, out of absolutely everything. And I pray that you'll look at it and remember that we can do so much better, um, that it was just the starting point. It's the last relentless shirt. For those that don't know, the name of the church in Hawaii was Relentless Church. And I have people fighting for that domain right now. John Gray. Don't put this online. Anyway. Relentless is not dead. It's not dead because of you. It's not dead because of you. Allowing us to come back here and healing and welcoming us and encouraging us. Allowing us to speak into your lives. This is not the past. It may not be in Hawaii, but it's not dead. And I thank you. Thank you for believing in us. I thank you for um, just welcoming us. You never kicked me in the butt coming back. You just took care of me like a cup man. And I want to thank you. Sister Ange, you, you gave me a good word while we were in Hawaii. And I still hold it for today. And thank you. Thank you guys for allowing us to be a part of this family. And anything we do, know that your mark is all over it. Because after all, we're just arrows that are being shot out. And you and the Holy Spirit have helped pull that bow. Real parents, amazing parents, give children wings. Thank you very much. We love you guys. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.